Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, two more preseason games down, two more to go. Not a ton going on, but we are going to turn our attention to the goalies today because there seems to be a little bit of intrigue heading into who's actually going to be in the crease when the season actually starts a week from uh, a week from today. Uh, and, uh, you know, Barry Trotz isn't sweating it, so I'm not sweating it, but, uh, I feel like we should talk about it. Yeah, it's, he's not sweating it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm starting to sweat it a little bit. Uh, the the one thing I I am happy about is that it didn't happen. Like it it was something known coming in for, with Varlamov. Um, so it was like, they, they obviously have had a plan in place and, He's probably got a target date that they're obviously never going to tell us. I mean, you, you can be, you can have Lou held hostage in a basement, and he wouldn't tell you. Um, you know, he'd he'd go to his grave without telling you what <laughs> what Simeon Barlamov might come back as fickle as that sounds. But um, so it's yeah, it's a little worrying. Uh, but with two games left uh, in the preseason, that my main concern now is just we got to get. Uh, Ilya Sorokin just through these next two games, um, mm. scotch, scotch free. And, uh, yes. and, and hope that, you know, I mean, I've got every confidence in the world that he's going to be a really good goaltender for the Islanders for a long time. So he definitely, if, if, you know, of course Schneider was the only other goalie in town, it would be a little scary, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's a threat level, what orange or whatever uh, right now, it's not too, too bad. And, um, then, uh, we'll see, but yeah, uh, it would have, <laughs> 
it, it would it would have been too good to be true to to get through the preseason or even to get to this point of the preseason without a, a, anybody um, outside of Matt Martin banged up right now. Yeah, uh, it is weird that uh, you know they they have kind of gone this way, um, and obviously we're we're talking about Simeon Varlamov here. He hasn't played at all in the preseason, and uh, what Barry Trotz has kept preaching this entire time, pregame, postgame, practice days. Doesn't matter. Somebody asked him about Varlamov, and his answer has always been, it's a nagging thing, like you said. It kind of goes back to a while, and they want to make sure that he gets all the treatment and all the, the medical attention right now before we start the season, and that kind of time goes away. Again, with particular notice that the Islanders have that 13-game road trip coming up to start the season. So, like, God forbid somebody gets hurt. You know, that's going to be compacted even more when you're in Nashville or Florida or whatever. Um, and so, you know, what he's saying makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, at the same time, you know, Varlamov has been in the league now for like 10 or 12 years. I don't know how many, you know, I'm not a goalie. I don't know like what purpose uh, preseason games really hold. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you want to get into some game action. We're going to talk about Corey Schneider in a minute who, who's looked pretty good in game action, I think so far. Um, and so, you know, on one hand, you're kind of like, I don't know, what, what is this guy going to, you know, what's the preseason game going to really do for this guy? But at the same time, as Barry said today, and this is kind of where the, the threat level comes in, he was like, you know, we're running out of time here with Varley to get him in, which basically means like, you're not going to see him tomorrow night or Thursday night versus the devils. And you're most likely not going to see him on Saturday against the Rangers either. You're looking, he said that we're looking at Carolina next Thursday to start. And they do have Ilya Sorokin who has looked very good, you know, again in this preseason, but you know, like you said, the, the fear with any preseason, anything is injuries. They had a big, a big brawl in the, the Panthers lightning uh, game the other day. And, and Bill Guerin was on with Jeff Merrick today on the radio and Merrick asked him and Guerin was like, well, it means that, you know, guys are, are keyed up for the game. That's good. They got a lot of energy. And I felt like saying, mm, if I was a general manager, I, my first thought when I saw teams duke it out like that in the preseason would be like, nobody friggin' get hurt, please. I swear to God, if you get hurt, I'm going to come down there and hurt you some more. Um, so hopefully that, that kind of thing doesn't happen to the Islanders, but we do have two more games, uh, and looks like it's going to be Ilya Sorokin and Corey Schneider uh, playing in them. And, uh, you know, we don't know what the split will be. Schneider played all the last night's game against the Flyers that we'll talk about in a second. But uh, it is a little weird that, you know, this guy who's effectively going to be the number one goalie is not going to get a ton of reps here in the preseason <laughs> to just, you know, get, get things going. He's obviously going to be in practice once he's healthy enough, but... I don't know if that's going to be the same. So we're going to have to just hold our breath and hope that it is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think that the Schneider game, uh, was that yesterday? Uh, yeah. Against, yeah, yesterday uh, against the Flyers. Um, th- there are, I would say that each preseason presents like two, maybe three important moments. Um, uh, and yesterday was one for Sh- Schneider. <laughs> and I think that Anders Lee playing yes. is another. And then I think the third important moment will be the last game with probably Sorokin just playing a full game and uh, what I'm assuming will be the, uh, you know, final kick at the can for players on the fringe. So like those are, are the three uh, things that like have piqued my interest in uh, part of the calendar that is really hard for to pique my interest in. And, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I mean, he, the one thing I, I would say I was on um, a podcast this morning with 
guys from NHL.com, and we were talking about uh, you know just different bets for awards. And there's no sports book really. There's one FanDuel. I think is the only one that has Elias Rokin listed for Vezina Trophy odds, and he's like twenty five to one, which is you know it's not. He's probably should be like fifty to one, considering <laughs> he's not the number one goalie at least, and fifty to one. But like if he if someone else posts him at a big number, I think he's actually worth thinking about because um, if he he's got the potential to kind of just this this could be the moment where he wrestles the crease from Varlamov and there's a little bit of a changing of the guard moment because uh you know we, we've seen him in different spurts through his career where he just looked dominant but the thing is he's trots is always so um by the book i guess or by his own plans with goaltend handing out goaltending starts remember yeah. even with grice and leonard it was they went back and forth and back and forth and right. back and forth for, yeah, for like for, 50 games right yeah, it was incredible to watch yeah <laughs> you know thomas grice could pitch a 53 save shutout against the hurricanes and two nights later robin leonard's back in the net <laughs> um so you know he, he does have this plan and he likes to stick to it but this forces his hand a little bit where mm. you know sorokin plays real well in the first few games uh, it could be we you know we all assumed i think the the split would probably be like you know 48 games for varlama of 34 i think would be the correct mm-hmm. math there for sorokin um but i think if sorokin plays real well and to start the season he could flip it um mm-hmm. because he he could be the better goalie uh and he's obviously in his prime now and uh as good as Varlamov has been for us and he's been spectacular and is starting to get uh some credit for that by the way and also uh, another thing worth mentioning is that uh doesn't get brought up enough is that that deal at the time uh was derided by many probably us too mm. the oh, off signing yeah <laughs> i think we both were probably first of all it was it was tough to see leonard go yeah. after that season and secondly um you know, what did we know about Simeon Varlamov really? Like not much. Yeah. And he, uh, he, he's been so solid and reliable on the goal. And, uh, but this, this could be a, a little bit of a, a, a chance for Sorokin to, to establish himself as the number one guy for, not just for now, but for, for the future. And, uh, you know, I, I don't particularly have any qualms with that happening. Cause if it does happen, it means that, uh, Sorokin is playing at a really, really high level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen. We all assume it'll happen at some point. And yeah, that's true. Maybe this is that time. You know, it's funny. Like I, I just kind of assumed that again, with this 13 game road trip coming up, that even if Varlamov was healthy, I was kind of under the impression that Schneider might get in a couple of games anyway, (laughs) you know, like even if he's just dressed as a backup uh, to give the other guy a break, I just kind of thought that was going to happen anyway. And now, you know, if Varlamov doesn't start the season, you're kind of looking at at the possibility possibility of Corey Schneider starting a game for the Islanders. They do have a couple of back to backs in that 13 game road trip, and you know, again, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start there, provided Varlamov hasn't already come back, which is possible because I don't think those those back to backs happen too early. But let's talk about Corey Schneider real quick. So uh, he's played in the two of the last two games for the Islanders. Uh, one was an overtime loss to the Devils, and then one was a shutout win over the Flyers last night. Again, these are preseason games, so please, you know, take whatever required grains of salt that you need. Um, but, you know, uh, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, the game against the Devils, um, the Islanders came out and absolutely dominated the first period. Kiefer Bellows scored on a nice give-and-go with Barzell like a minute and a half in, and it looked like it was going to be a very, very long day for the very, very undermanned Devils. And, uh, boy, they just didn't want to go away. And they ended up scoring late in third. 
and scoring the overtime winner. I believe Igor Sharangovich, who has made a habit of scoring in the in overtime in his young career, uh, won, scored the game winner in overtime. And like, you know, I mean, it's a preseason game, so like kind of who cares? But at the same time, as Andrew Gross put it right afterwards, like if this was a regular season game, this would have been a pretty bad loss. And I don't, you know, nobody seemed to be overly concerned about it. Um, you know, the Islanders lineup was kind of a hodgepodge again. You had, you had Kiefer Bellows on a line with Barzell. Like it wasn't exactly, you know, game time lineup or anything like that, but it does kind of like, you know, it was an afternoon game on a Saturday and it was like, man, I blocked off my afternoon for this really. Uh, and so it was a little bit disappointing, but, uh, what are you going to do? And again, the devils, you know, they're a team that you need to keep an eye on because, uh, you know, they, they've added some pieces this year. I don't know if they're a playoff team necessarily in this division, but they're not they're not a patsy either. They're not going to roll over. They they got some guys that, you know, have some pride and they want to play and and win. And it, they they didn't give up in that game, even though the Islanders made it very clear in uh, the opening few minutes that uh, they you know just wanted to get the thing over with. And then came last night's game against the Flyers, uh, also in Bridgeport. Uh, it was the total opposite. Uh, the Islanders, I thought. Played a little bit sloppy. Again, they started out pretty good, but started getting a little bit sloppy, and it was kind of up to Schneider to make some saves. And, I mean, it, the Flyers did not send their A team. Let's be honest about that. But, you know, a save is a save, and it was pretty busy. I believe he made, like, I don't know, 26 saves or something like that, 24 saves. Uh, and, he, you know, he put in a good night, and he, and he looked pretty good, uh, you know, again, from that, that AHL camera, which is like, you know, watching something on a PlayStation One, you know, from 1998. <laughs> so it was, it was hardly the uh, HD uh, experience that we're used to. But uh, I thought he looked pretty good. They ended up winning three nothing. They scored two goals in the first period. And like you said before, the other big story besides Schneider was Anders Lee is back on the ice. He scored one of the most Anders Lee goals you could possibly ever see. Uh, Zdeno Chara also suited up for the Islanders in that game for the first time since 2001. Uh, played with uh, uh, Noah Dobson. Looked pretty good at some times. Other times got a little bit caught in their own zone. And then Josh Bailey scored uh, on the over on the power play with about a minute to go to make it 3-0. So, um, you know, it, it was a bit of a mixed bag. Even Char said, you know, could have been better. It was a decent game. I would agree with that. Uh, but I thought that the signs for uh, Lee and Schneider in particular were pretty encouraging, all things considered, uh, and considering their importance going forward <laughs> in, in about a week, you know? Yeah. And uh- – I think uh, one one other thing I would note is that uh, the power play has, I guess, seemed to be doing pretty well with uh, Eric Gustafson. Yes, and very busy I, on on uh, whatever it was Tuesday night. Very busy. And I and I I've been saying this uh, to people that like it's it's really starting to dawn on me like how this team has been constructed because we know how it's constructed at the top and we know mm. but the stuff uh, kind of like below the fourth line, below the third pairing and in, be- in between, like almost like the, the f- quadruple a airs, like, mm-hmm. like what Lou and Trotz's strategy is. And it seems to really be showing now because uh, f- for the first time, the team has had like the cl- cat, uh, cat flexibility to have some organizational depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and they definitely have enough pieces uh, to have like, I think Trotz was the one who said like they can roll six NHL lines uh, at this, right now with this roster and depending on how you know quote unquote many players sneak through waivers which we talked about last time um <laughs> this this is a, a deeper team uh than people realize because the islanders are known to be very well balanced lines one through four pairings one through three and in the goal but it's really like lines one through six and then having eric gustafson thomas hickey sebastian aho 
Robin Sallow and Samuel Bolduc as your seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth defenseman is pretty damn impressive. And mm. what's what I've realized is that Lou and Barry are so honed in on roles, and we know mm. this. But like, they brought Eric Gustafson in for one reason because hey, this power play could go to shit, which is <laughs> saying something because it's been pedestrian forever. But um, without Nick Letty, like what if what if Noah Dobson can't handle it? What if having uh, Ryan Pollock uh, man the second unit with uh, whoever is, isn't going to work? And if it needs a shot in the arm, you have a guy like Eric Gustafson in town to, to do that. And you just got to be able to manage his um, flaws defensively. And I think that's the, the thinking here is that these guys are particular, like they are, they're brought in for such particular reasons. Um, you know, even someone like Ross Johnston, uh, why they've kept him around is like, Hey, he's good at this, this role, which is filling in for maybe Matt Martin or Cal Clutterbuck. And, uh, same with, uh, you know, we could, we're, I think we're going to start seeing that with Richard panic and stuff. And, uh, it's, it's really quite interesting because it's something that you wouldn't pay attention to if you, weren't us or the people listening to this podcast, people who love the Islanders and uh, live and die with them and are thinking about them all the time. Uh, but it, it, so I think a lot of people are almost underrating just how <laughs> deep this team is, but even though they're all saying this is a really deep balanced group, uh, they're, they might over, still be overlooking uh, just how, how long this list of good, like capable players are. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're they're missing the actual depth by looking at the sort of shallow depth. I don't know if that makes mm. any sense, but uh, yeah, no, that that's a point. And we talked about that last week, like guys, signing guys like Chara, like Zach Parisi, like it creates depth. And all of a sudden, you're pushing guys that would maybe have been in the lineup anyway down a peg, and they've got to kind of work their way back up. And yeah, Gustafson stills on a PTO. Um, oh, so you brought up cuts before, so the Islanders. Uh, waived about a dozen guys today that are most of whom are going to end up in Bridgeport. Um, I don't think any of them are in any danger of being um, claimed on waivers. Guys like Carl, uh, Cole Bardrow, who, who played last night, you know, is done doing his thing. Um, but uh, oh, uh, Otto Koivula, who's going to go back there. And, uh, you know, th- these are the guys who are going to make up your sort of core Bridgeport uh, group. Gustafson is still here on a PTO on a tryout. Hasn't quite been signed yet. Uh, Trot seems to like him. I mean, he played a ton last night. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him sign. I don't know well, how much money they have under the cap to sign him. But, you know, at some point with before the first game next week, they are going to put Johnny Boychuk on LTIR. So they're going to get his cap hit, you know, kind of space above top of the cap. Um, uh, Robin Sallow is still here. I don't believe he was waived today. Um, no. but Trotz has, has raved about him too, uh, and said he's, he's looked really good too. Uh, and then Sebastian Ajo too. I don't think he was waived either. So I think they're all still here and you know, there's only so much room on D, especially when you bring in Zdeno Chara. So, uh, I don't know what's interesting. I mean, I, I think if they use Gustafson, like a, a you know, power play specialist, um, it might work. Like, I mean, again, he, he looked pretty good last night, but you know, you can see where like, Maybe the defensive uh, liabilities that have kind of dogged him for a while could be a problem. But, you know, this is Barry Trotz we're talking about here. Like, he's not going to put somebody in a position where he's not going to succeed. Like, that's mm-hmm. what Trotz is all about. Like you said, he's all about roles. We want you to do your job, do it well, and we all win. <laughs> so it, could, I, and I think it also know. It, it gives him the chance to maybe roll, you know, with 11 forwards and seven defensemen, too, at times, which is right. um, 
you know, could just give people a different look uh, here and there. I know John Cooper loves doing that. Mm. Um, Trotz, I think he's done that a couple of times in his tenure here. But mm. um, so, yeah, it's a, I think the, the one waiver uh, guy that I am interested in is uh, Otto Koivula because uh, here's a guy who has some, some, had some hype. And when I say some hype, I mean, that, that, was a couple of years ago when we were just begging for anybody really. And it looked like he looked pretty promising though. He did um, as a potential like third or fourth line center. And uh, he, he has kind of flown under the radar since then in terms of both like actual results and hype. And so I, I do wonder if, if he, if he goes because uh, he, because he, of what I said, like somebody buying a flyer on him as a, as a one-time uh your well talked about uh, fourth line center prospect, um, you know, and, and of course, if if the Leafs do it, it'll mm. be a huge deal about how, you know, what 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 uh, what Kyle Duba saw in Otto Koivula that made him snatch him <laughs> on waivers and <laughs> provide the fourth line center we've been dreaming of forever, like right. that kind of article from the Athletic or something. How um, the Leafs fix Otto Ko- Otto Koivula? Yeah. That's what and then when be. he gets waived and sent to the Marlies, it'll be. Uh, Koivula is a perfect fit for the Marlins, yes. like, like I was saying. And uh, it's just, uh, but he's the only one I think that was e- e- uh, any interest mm. uh, to me and I think to other teams uh, because, he, I, I mean, we make fun of it on hockey Twitter last week about, oh, you can't, how can you let this guy s- slip through? Like, I think like a, a team like Arizona or Buffalo uh, could probably use someone with, with his upside down the middle because uh, they, they don't have anything um, uh, in center, so. Uh, but yeah. he's the only one, like I would say. Yeah, uh, sorry. I, so I pulled up the thing here from uh, Renault Lavoie, who, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should, if only so he can shout the waiver guys at you. They changed the waiver time to two o'clock in the afternoons now. I don't know if I like that. I like the noon, the noon waiver sort of town crier, like. Hear you, hear you. These are the guys who are on waivers. Uh, it's also it's also got to be annoying for the players because I, mean, right. I mean we'll talk about all or nothing in the second half of the show because I have a review for you. But um, <laughs> there is there is a scene where with J- the Jimmy VC waiver and he's he asks Kyle Dubas if he has to come to practice in the morning. He's like, yeah, you'll come to practice and they have till noon to pick you up and I'll let you know. So it's mm. like. You're gonna make these guys sweat it till two p.m. Yeah. Now, I mean, come I'm, on. I'm sure he really paid attention in that practice. You know, wondering <laughs> if he's gonna have a job uh, come to noon. But uh, yeah, it's 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 sort of a barbaric uh, way to do things. But you know, that comes with the territory. But yeah, so uh, Dmitro Timoshev, Otto Koivula, Austin Zarnik, Carl Cole Bardrow, and Andy Andreoff, Parker Watherspoon, Mitch Vanisampo, Paul Adu, Grant Hutton all waved today. Um, yeah, of those guys, uh, you know, Koivula is probably the only guy. Maybe Andreoff because he's the kind of guy who bounces around a little bit. But, I mean, the reason Lou waited this long uh, was so that he could sneak these guys through without them being claimed. Because it's not just the Islanders who are waving these guys. It's every other team in the league waving anywhere between, you know, two and ten other guys. So, uh, hopefully they could all sneak through. But, uh, you know, the, most of these guys weren't going to, you know, obviously break camp with the Islanders. Ledoux, you know, also got a lot of a big shot here in uh, in uh, preseason. But, uh, you know, I guess he's he was signed to a two-way contract anyway, so he'll, he'll go back to the AHL. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, you know, any of these guys could – they've already played now, so they could come up and, and – uh, uh, you know, play for the Islanders in case somebody gets hurt. You know, we got to – we got one of these days we got to – 
I don't know, do a deep dive on Mitch Vandesample because like he was drafted <laughs> like a hundred years ago. I mean, that was like the Dow Cole, you know, Hosang draft. And it's like, wow, that guy's been here a long time. What, what's the deal with this guy? You know, yeah, just- he, he had like a, 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 like, like almost like a Bodie wild situation, right? Where he like got hurt early in one camp, like, which was supposed to be his like big Definitely, yeah. chance. And then I think he got hurt for a whole year or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, he's he's kind of just yeah. he's been around him, and I feel like Parker Weatherspoon has yes. been around for yes. just as long too. When you said a Bodie Wild situation, I was like, wait, they exiled him to Europe <laughs> <laughs> in the Phantom Zone because uh, he didn't want to get vaccinated. But not that kind of Bodie Wild situation. Yes, you're right. He did get he was injured by some, but it's yeah. just interesting. Bodie's Bodie fun. Wild situation 1.0. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, so we'll, we'll have to look into that. But uh, anyway, I, I forgot how we got on the subject. But anyway, uh, as far as the goalies go, uh, I thought Schneider looked pretty good. He certainly seemed uh, pretty happy to be there. You know, this is the first time in a long time he's gotten to play a full game. And he said after the game, like they told him you're going to get two first two periods. But when he went into the, the second intermission, they were like, oh, you got the third. And he's like, OK. And he went out and, and he did a great job. He looked really, really good. He moved well. Uh, you know, he was tracking the puck really well. Um, you know, there were some some weird shots there. The Flyers did crash the net a little bit, as they are want to do. Um, but, you know, this is a, speaking of injuries. I mean, this guy is he's come back from a long, long, long list of injuries. He's well over 30 years old. You know, he's looking clearly to to hopefully, you know, be part of a, a team that goes on a long run with some guys that he knows from his time with the Devils. So uh, it's hard not to root for Corey Schneider. I think it's going to be good. You know, seeing him play too many games for the Islanders, I think, would be a bad sign. I wouldn't be surprised, again, if Varlamov is injured to start the season, if he gets a couple of games started, especially the back-to-backs. Uh, I I don't. I think the Islanders could do worse. I think he he would probably be okay. Um, you know, famous last words and all that. But uh, I think he'll. I think he'll be all right. And, and it was good to see him out there playing pretty well. And you know, I think going into this preseason, nobody would have thought that we would have paid that much attention to Corey Schneider playing <laughs> in a preseason game. But now we kind of have to because yeah. we're a week out from the uh, start of the season, and the Islanders' starting goaltender hasn't played yet. So now all of a sudden, Corey Schneider. You're on. You're on deck. Basically, is what the only the only thing you can really say. Yeah, uh, it's it's <laughs> you, you said it. Look, you, you know what time of the season it is. If we're talking about Corey Schneider for, <laughs> for six minutes uh, in 2021, and he's playing for the New York <laughs> Islanders of right. all teams. Um, yeah. But I think you, you know. I I like to make fun of uh, some some Leafs people. Uh, I mean, I like to make fun of a lot of Leafs people, but for <laughs> in this pr- particular instance, um, they made a huge deal about Aaron Dell last season. Oh yeah, like I was when they signed him <laughs> as a number three goalie, <laughs> and, um, which is so it was just so funny because Dell, uh, he, all of a sudden when when Kyle Dubas signed Aaron Dell, it was another stroke of genius. Uh, this is an incredible third goalie. Uh, of, of, of somehow. You know, Dubas was the only general manager who realized that in in a season with the taxi squad and a shortened season, and we might need three goalies. So smart of him, where everybody else was also doing the same thing. But um, two weeks later, Dell is waived, goes to uh, New Jersey. Uh, nobody says a, uh, has a peep to say. And today, he was actually waived by the Sabers and uh, usurped by Dustin Tokarski of all people. <laughs> not some you know, not some up and coming hotshot goaltender, but it's going to be Craig Anderson and Dustin Tokarski. Uh, and and wow. once again, once again, no nobody ever said, "Hey, maybe we uh, kind of overreacted to Aaron Dell signing as the Leafs' third goalie." But uh, that's okay. Um, so yeah, and uh, like, but I think 
in, when it comes to third goalie, and I'm not saying it's a huge deal for teams to have a good number three, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't know who every team's third goalie is at the moment. I do know who the Leafs' third goalie is, of course, is Michael Hutchinson, <laughs> and I know the Sabers now have Aaron Dell as their number three. Uh, I think the Rangers have Keith Kincaid still around. Uh, so, like, I think I would take Corey Schneider over most of these people, which is going back to the point that I was, you know, talking about before, which is I think Corey Schneider is maybe uh, the kind of perfect candidate for this kind of situation because. He is past his prime. He's definitely not a 40-game NHL goalie anymore, but he's a good guy. looks like to have in the organization and seems like everybody likes him, and he's the type of guy that understands that when he goes to Bridgeport, uh, he is going to be the uh, even the backup there, like the guy who's <laughs> helping whoever, you know, Jacob Skarik, uh, whoever the young goalie is uh, playing for the Sound Tigers, or excuse me, sorry, Lou. The Bridgeport Islanders, um, you <laughs> yes. know, it's uh, uh it, so he, he he gets the role in and he'll probably embrace it better than uh, most other people. And I also don't think that anybody will um, pick him up on waivers ever if he's shuttled back and forth a little bit uh, too. So uh, maybe, maybe he'll even pull a Jason Spezza and come out and say, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not, I'm not going to play. If I get sent down, I'm not playing for, if anyone picks me up, I'll retire rather than play for anyone else. But Lou, um, yeah. like Spezza did with the Leafs last year, but uh yeah, I think he's just like it's it's just a decent fit for mm. Corey yeah. Schneider, and that's a uh, that's fine. I mean, he's the number three goalie. We, we could talk about him for a long time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, we didn't, and we didn't even bring up the fact that the Islanders didn't trade for him at the uh, the draft that year. That they traded Niederreiter for Clutterbuck. It's a whole thing. It goes. This <laughs> yeah. relationship goes back many many years. We don't need to get into that. Um, but it, it is it is important to note uh, when you mentioned the Jason Spezza. Um, comparison that only feel good stories can happen to the leaps. No other teams can have feel good <laughs> stories. Nobody else. You're not allowed to feel good for a veteran on another team that's you know trying to to go out on top. That only works for the leaps. You know, Jason <laughs> Spezza gets the parades. Everybody else is like, why would they sign that guy? <laughs> so that's yeah. how that yeah, works. Joe Thornton's in Florida, and I don't see yeah. the, uh, the Thornton nope. parades. So, yep, yeah. he doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone now. <laughs> R.I.P. Joe Thornton. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff, uh, including some uh, some secret intel from uh, Lou Lamorello. I don't know. We'll see. And also, uh, Mike will tell us what he thought of All or Nothing, uh, the Leafs show on Amazon, and uh, announcement of a special episode that we're going to come, uh, come at you with this weekend. All right, so uh, give us a minute, and then come back. Thanks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can find t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. The season is starting, so if you want cool hockey gear before the season starts, VintageIceHockey.com is the place to go. They also have our Al Arbor t-shirts and our the sales of uh, that, uh, our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. I've been saying this same thing for like years now. You think I know what it's all about. Uh, you could also use the code Lighthouse15 to save 15%. So VintageIceHockey.com. Go there today. Kevin is constantly adding new cool stuff and uh, you, you got to you got to go to this site because it's just great. Um, so last week we talked about UBS Arena and how you know we were wondering how they were going to finish this thing by November twentieth because uh, there was an awful lot going on. Uh, there's still an awful lot going on there. I saw some some glass going up along the boards. Uh, the uh, suites are getting done. Uh, there's lights happening there, which I guess make carpeting has gone into those suites. And actually, just now while we were on uh, the Twitter account for UBS Arena tweeted some looks at their concourse and uh, the all-important men's room. So you can take a look at what the men's room is going to look like. It's very wide. It's very nice. It's a very big gulf between the urinals on one wall and the sinks on the other. Very excited <laughs> to use the urinals <laughs> at UBS Arena. Uh, yeah. I did think it was funny that like after we talked about, it, obviously, look, look, we're joking. I mean, obviously, you know, we expect them to be finished with it. We're not engineers. We have no idea what we're talking about. But I'm just, you know, kind of sitting home watching this video. Uh, the next day, there was like a, a tour and like a press thing and Tim like Wiki doing kind of stuff. I'm sure it was scheduled beforehand. It's just a coincidence. But I did think it was kind of funny that that they went into this whole thing just as we were like, how are they going to finish this thing? So uh, Scott and Robin was there, right? I think. What's that? Right, was, was Scott Malkin there for the first for the first time in like six years that he popped his head up? Publicly? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah, and it was written up by um, Sean Shapiro, who's was the stars writer at the Athletic. Now he's more of sort of national NHL media guy, and uh, he wrote a whole thing about it too. And I mean, it wasn't anything anybody didn't already know, uh, but about how it's you know going to be uh, the airflow is going to be you know it's this kind of this because it's being built. During the time of COVID, the the airflow and the, and the uh, you know ventilation and stuff is going to be top notch because they want to make sure that everybody is safe. Uh, and there's all kinds of little bells and whistles and stuff that they're going to have. And uh, you know, they it was that kind of stuff. But I do think it was funny that it came a day after like we're sitting here going like I hope <laughs> they finish this thing. But uh, but uh, yeah, and then there was another sort of I guess what was it like a season ticket holder event or something like that that you had heard about or it was a, a like a partner summit so mm -hmm. uh people who i guess are advertising or are financially um who are who are selling stuff at the building what uh i'm assuming is mm. what the Sounds criteria right. was yeah um but yeah and uh, we had a listener david skernick reach out from that his brand um the pinot project from skernick wines will be there and uh he passed along some notes some some espionage stuff because they kicked the media out <laughs> they're just so, just so lou and some of the things that are, are are pretty funny talked about um how lou uh lou, lou basically had a huge part in uh basically every part of building this arena including making the uh the locker room uh an oval shape <laughs> he didn't want he didn't want uh any oh, corners in a locker room i don't know why but uh yeah, that he he noted that he, Lou says he considers himself uh, like a a conductor of an orchestra where the players are playing and the coaches 
and then he's got his back to the to the media and to uh, the fans, which I think is is both a hilarious visual to, to <laughs> think about. Uh, you know, it's you know, Lou on on whatever they like the soapbox that they stand on, and then uh, yeah, you got a uh, Sorokin playing mm. stand up bass, I would assume, and actually maybe he'd probably be like a violinist, and then uh, you know, just everybody shouting at Lou trying to get answers and him just ignoring it. But <laughs> I just think it's it's it is funny because it's just the more and more evidence you get. Uh, on Lou, it's just the more and more. <laughs> you, first of all, everyone who I've ever talked to, who's dealt dealt with him, has nothing. And we talked about this last week with Hossein. Like everybody says, just speaks the world of him, mm. which I never understood uh, as an outsider. Like I didn't think that was the case when he was uh, with the Devils, and I guess with the Leafs. I always thought he was kind of a. Uh, I wouldn't say like a he didn't have the reputation of being like a player's coach or player's manager. It seemed like everyone, he just like had frosty relationships with everyone, but mm. I guess I couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, I've had conversations just through work with a bunch of people at different teams or companies that are related to hockey and the, everybody just loves him. They mm-hmm. just love him. Like as long as you kind of give him the respect that he will give back to you, uh, he's great. So, uh, and I understand how frustrating it could be to, with your job is covering the Islanders or, and, you know, for us as fans too, uh, you know, not knowing a lot of stuff, like we still don't know how much <laughs> money Zach Parisi and this is the Dano Char signed for. And, uh, all, and, and, and ah. there's a, the Elliot Friedman 32 thoughts today had yeah. a great line where another executive said that Lou has his own central registry. Mm. Uh, three, <laughs> three, three Islander thoughts. Uh, yeah. Still nothing on Chara or Parisi signing, nope. by the way, from, from him or Jim Merrick, but right. they that- did, Russ Johnston getting into 32 thoughts was definitely a long shot. And he, he was those 30, those three thoughts in today's 32 thoughts represent probably about 60% of the Islanders thoughts. We'll see from, from Elliot all year long. So I would think probably the next Islanders thought will probably come around sometime around March. When, so, when Russ Johnston's claimed on waivers at yeah, some point <laughs> around the deadline, it'd be like, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Islanders are sneaking around. Like that's, right. that's what it would be, you know? Uh, but I just can't believe Josh Johnston. Uh, but I mean, also, like we talked about the Varlamov deal being derided. Um, Rush Johnston, what, what was he signed? Right, was Lou? That was a Lou deal or Garth? Four I, years I feel like that was like the first Lou deal. Yeah, and wasn't it? Yeah, it seems like it's you know most. It seems like Rush Johnston's reputation as a player uh, has just kind of slowly gone up to the point where I think there's a, a lot of teams that I guess think he's a bonafide fourth line player so mm. didn't yeah didn't expect to read that today in, in a national <laughs> column but there it was uh but yeah i think it's just uh it's really funny how the more and more you hear about lou and like how he's his attention to detail is insane mm. and then you hear a story like him being you know involved in designing the the locker room mm. uh and it's just like yeah i guess that, you know it all checks out and you you stop getting surprised at stuff like that yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Johnston's contract was signed July 9th, twenty eighteen. So yeah, so just uh, eight days yeah. after the Tavares thing. So yeah, that was definitely a Lou. Um, yeah, Barry too talked about how they had a lot of input into like how things were going to be built, and and uh, I mean to me that makes sense. Like, why wouldn't you? I mean, this uh, this opportunity doesn't come around very often. I mean, I'm sure that when they were building Bridgestone Arena, 
in Nashville and Barry Trotz was going to be the first head coach. I can't imagine he got that much input, <laughs> you know, this first year head coach, they probably didn't realize, think he was going to be around that long. And so he, I'm sure he wasn't asked, but I guarantee you Lou had a lot of input into how Prudential center was built in Newark, uh, you know, have it after playing at uh, continental airlines slash Brendan Byrne for that long. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty cool. I do find it. I Lou is nothing if not consistent because that conductor story is sort of a, a, a takeoff and a, a variation on a story that Ken Danico has told a hundred times. I've heard him, you know, on different podcasts and different stories telling about how, you know, he one time he was kind of getting a little bit kind of tired of his role, maybe with the Devils and wanted a little bit more and got it, got it within himself to finally go talk to Lou about maybe getting a trade going. And Lou said, uh, you know, he, He's like, Ken, let me tell you something. I look at this team as an orchestra. And what does an orchestra have? It's got different musicians playing different instruments. We've got violinists. We've got clarinetists. We've got trumpet players. We've got drummers. What do you think you play? And he, I think Danica was like, uh, drums, I guess. And he's like, yes, you play the drums. Now, if you want to play the violin, I can trade you to some place where you can play the violin. But right now, we need drummers, and that is how we make music. And <laughs> You know, but that's your role and you play it well and that's what we need here. And that's how we're going to, you know, make music together and, and win. And I think Danico was like, okay. And then that was it. I mean, obviously <laughs> the story is much funnier when Ken Danico tells it, but like, you know, you can see that consistency in the story. Like that's what he, he, he does feel. People have roles. We talked about it just a few minutes ago. Like people have roles. And if you're a drummer, you're a drummer. And that your job is to play the drums as best as you possibly can. And there are guys, you know, Matt Barzell ain't a drummer. That guy is a soloist, you know, <laughs> like he's, he's a trumpet player. I don't pick your instrument. So flute, trumpet, clarinet, saxophone, whatever it is, he is the soloist. Uh, and, you know, what is Anders Lee? Eh, I guess he's kind of a trombone player, I guess. You know, he's important, uh, but, uh, you know, he doesn't he doesn't always stand out. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. And you can just go all the way down the line with these guys. But like, um, actually, you know what? Bo- Beauvillier is definitely a clarinet player. He's, he screams <laughs> clarinet to me. Again, very important. Sometimes solos, but. Generally, you know, it kind of brings that kind of like lilting, you know, music uh, up towards the end, and then the goalies, I can't imagine. But anyway, in, in any event, uh, I could see Lou giving that speech, and I, did, yeah. I wish somebody had recorded it because I want to hear him give it because it's that's the, that is the perfect encapsulation of what Lou Lamarello's sort of team building philosophy is. Is that the, orchestra story? <laughs> the, the one thing I, I will be, I was disappointed at. Um, you know how, like, if you go see Dave Chappelle these days, he like makes you put his, your phone in like a locker or something before oh, wow. going in, I didn't know that. into it. No. Yeah, like you can't bring your phone into uh, his shows, and um, I, I was a little disappointed that Lou didn't make the hmm. people do that. Be like, all right, you know, go hand uh, your phone over to uh, these guys, and and then hmm. I'll tell you whatever you want. Um, you know, but and also speaking of work, work I can see uh, those this you know those suits that they wear with like the tail kind of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jackets. Tuxedo. I don't know. Yeah. Yes, those tuxedos with the tail. <laughs> I can see Brock Nelson in one for some reason. Like really, like perfectly, perfect uh, fit for him. Uh, you know, obviously, Anders Lee. Like Anders Lee has a tuxedo. Like he's he's like the type of tuxedo that the people who walk uh, who walk uh, the awards presenters up and down. Like yeah. that's his, his. That's his kind of tuxedo. Whereas Nelson, I can totally see as a uh, you know kind of an orchestra yeah. type. Uh, actually, and actually, the clothes and suits brings up another point, and you mentioned this too that somebody asked Lou about the uh, the sort of hair rules, right? And, yep. and 
uh, he, he talked about that. I mean, he's never been shy about saying why he does that. It's, it's, it's team exercise. Like you, you know, you wake up and the first thing you do is you shave and you get dressed by the rules and it keeps the focus on the ice and not on, you know, what you're going to wear or what you look like. And, and, and it gives the team something to kind of hold on to as a group. And to this day, I have never heard a single player complain about this. <laughs> like no <laughs> Islander, you know, he's traded a bunch of dudes. It's not like Nick Letty got to Detroit and all of a sudden said, thank God I can grow a beard again. Cause I was feeling shackled by the, you know, the tyrant, the, the, the tyranny of Lou Lamorello finally lets my beard grow. And, he, you know, in, in two seconds, he go, like he just grew a beard, like something like that. Um, that is, had not, not been the case. Uh, but uh, there was a story on ESPN t- this week and, and Jeff Merrick again was talking about today on his show uh, about how, you know, the, the coyotes have relaxed their wardrobe uh rules this year so like guys can sort of just come as they are and, and how they feel like it and how there's been some discussions within the league the the players association how they want more teams to do this and you know there have been some pushback from teams guess who obviously <laughs> um and my only thing is that like the coyotes can do whatever they want teams can do whatever they want these are rules i have dress code rules where i work like I can't wear shorts when, when I had an office to go to. I can't wear shorts. I can't wear flip flops. And you know what? Life goes on, and everybody does their job, and it's okay. And you know, it's a pl- it's a place where people work in jeans and t shirts. And if you wear a polo shirt or shirt with sleeves, you're considered probably overdressed. You know, <laughs> like, it's, it's a casual place. But you can't have shorts and you can't have flip flops, and it's okay. It's fine. But my thing is when people say stuff like, "Well, NHL players showing personality and coming to the rink." dressed how they want and not in these boring suits is going to grow the game and, and get, bring attention to the NHL. That is nonsense. That is 100% BS. There is no way that this sport, which has struggled to get eyeballs for its entire existence, is going to somehow gain popularity magically overnight because Austin Matthews wears a funky suit to a game day. Like, that is ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't understand this. It's like the parroting. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. People are really going to get it. They are not. They don't know who Austin Matthews is outside of Toronto and they don't care. They don't know. And they don't <laughs> care. And no suit is going to change that. I don't know what the answer is. We've been trying to find it for 30 years, but I just, I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm like, I, I just, I don't understand. <laughs> who cares? Who cares what these guys wear? And the guys don't complain. So what difference does it make? I don't, I don't know. Just it, it goes back to the, uh, something we talked about last season a little bit, the, that hypothetical fan that's out there that is, right. does, that the NHL's always been trying to get that doesn't yeah. exist. You know, it's just right. it's Joe, Joe sports fan isn't thinking, hmm, you know, I might get into the NHL this year. Let me see. Let me see what uh, Vinny Heinestros is wearing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's not that's not how it works. Fans, uh, fans want more fighting. No, the uh, fighting brings new fans. No, they want this. They they want more goals. No, they want more. You know, they want tighter games that are closer. We have no idea, and neither does the NHL. But it's got <laughs> nothing to do with guys wearing you know suits with no socks. Like it's just it's insane. I just I don't understand. Anyway. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's a type of thing that another thing like like that 10 years from now, I think a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, I really regret spending that much time arguing about Nick Letty's beard or, (laughs) 
<laughs> Nick Benino's Corsi four percentage, whether it's <laughs> it's it's whether it's buoyed by his line mates or if it's actually him driving that line. Like I yeah. think a lot of people are gonna start to wow. uh, regret how much time they spent on stuff like that. But uh, you know, I thought I actually was listening to serious uh, NHL radio today, and uh, or yesterday somebody was saying uh, each fan base has four types of fans and everyone kind of fits into a bucket it's uh the fan that's always pessimistic the fan that's always optimistic the fan that o- only wants to talk about you know that numbers say and then the other fan is kind of the well-adjusted one <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, you know i, I want to say that you or i are particularly well-adjusted like we're we're, <laughs> we're we're just on a roller coaster along for the ride right. uh um, we when it's high when it's high like we're there to celebrate the highs and with slows where mm. the, the world is falling but um i, th- I just thought it was pretty poignant because i think that's never been more true than <laughs> it is right now because yeah uh yeah it's uh, the, the one downside of this part of the the sports calendar and it's a it's a really great time with, mm. uh the mlb playoffs starting and ending last night but uh then the hockey season coming back if you're into basketball and then mm. football college football you know we got you the, T- the T20 Cricket World Cup at the end of the month. It's like, wow. there's just a lot going on, but uh, it does remind you that at one, one of the, the cons of hmm. the hockey season is uh, the ever growing exhaustion feeling <laughs> that is, you know, scrolling Twitter during, oh my God. during the NHL season. Yeah. It's, it's already, it's too much. It's people too much are, and it never ends. People um, are already in mid season form. I tell yeah. you. <laughs> um, by the way, Flyers fans, by the way, are actually both too optimistic and too pessimistic at the same exact time. Sometimes in the same game. Sometimes in the same period. It's just it's <laughs> you think we're on a roller coaster, man. They're they're, they're just watching them is a roller coaster. But uh that is true that there are kind of these different groups. But yeah, it, it is too much already. And uh I guess that's our that's our segue to oh, and thanks to Brian Skernick uh for the uh the Intel. Uh and we're gonna put a link to Skernick Wine so you can check out their selection there. And uh they're gonna be sold at UBS Arena, the with the uh, the Pinot project. So take a look to see uh, look out for them at UBS and uh hey they're listeners, so be nice to them. Say hello, tell them we sent you. Yes. Uh so uh this week, uh, or actually for the last few weeks, um, the Athletic has been posting their NHL previews. The Islanders one popped on Tuesday, uh, which you know, for to make a long story short, means that they're expected to be pretty good. This is you know when we're getting out of crunch time and what the model says are the best teams in the league. Um, the preview itself was actually very complimentary. It was by Dom L. Uh, Lecision uh, at the the athletic who's kind of a, a villain amongst the Islanders fans. Uh, but it was a very, really well-written piece and it was nice that, you know, he was very complimentary of the team and how they're built and saying that, you know, barring any kind of insane collapse, this team is expected to would be expected by the numbers to win the division and challenge for the cup. That's all great, but man, people have long memories and especially us, especially Islanders fans. And when somebody spends three years telling us that our team uh, are frauds uh, that have no talent, we're not quite soon to forget that. So uh, it's a cool piece. You should check it out. But I read it shaking my head thinking, <laughs> am I, am I, did I fall through a hole in, in space somehow? Like, am I, did I, did I like sleep dream all of these slings and arrows that my team has been taking all this time for being just, you know, not very good and riding hot goalie or a good coach or this, that, the other thing. 
to their success. I was like, I, and and there's a line, and you brought it up too when he said that, uh, you know, he's he's always preached patience with the Islanders. What? <laughs> <laughs> preached what? Patience? You preached that they were garbage. Anyway, <laughs> check it out. Check it yeah. out if you, if you haven't already. But I don't know, man. <laughs> it's 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 just funny because it's not. Like we talk about, we talked about it with Eric Gustafson that there's never any, uh, um, you know, I was wrong, you know, there's right th- stuff. And, and then when it is, it's like very much like I was wrong, but here's, you know, but actually I was right because mm. I was just following this and my process was right. Like, uh, you know, that's not how it goes when you're doing this kind of work. You just kind of have to accept that you have a, you know, a job where it, you're going to have to own up to some things and, they're not big deals. It's not like you was like, yep, shouldn't have, uh, you know, invaded Flanders in World War One. Like your your decision, your bad decision was just that you got you projected a hockey team wrong, and uh, that's <laughs> it. You know, it's not too serious, buddy. Uh, mm. But he 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 doesn't. Uh, I think he he one of the funny things about uh, that kind of sect of Twitter is they they keep making the same jokes, and then new people come in doing similar things that like you know, posting player cards or whatever. And then those people make the same jokes too. So mm. um, the, the, as soon as the Islanders story posted, I was like, oh, can't wait for him to say like, oh, I can't win. Like I predict them to do well and I get yelled at and I predict them to do wrong and do bad and I get yelled at. And lo and behold, it took like yep. three seconds for that joke to pop out. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the patience thing was just something else because yeah. uh, just uh, it gets the Bruins. He had his model, not him, I guess. But mm. even the, the even the article too that he wrote afterwards is like just about how great the Bruins were and that they were going to win one. Uh, the Bruins would win that series four out of every five times, uh, according to his analysis. And I think if you watch that series, you'd say and don't think so. Uh, mm. I don't. <laughs> I don't think I have, it's okay to say I, I maybe this is a blind spot and the, mm. we've underrated the Islanders in terms of not just talent but the way they're going about things. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was tough to get through. There were some some parts that I did appreciate, which mostly was the part where he talked about how John Tavares uh, regretted his decision. And <laughs> that coming from someone in Toronto, which was great, just because uh, I've always thought I've always wanted to th- know mm. um, that we're not that if if he does, first of all, which we'll never find out, but also like if other people think that too, and uh, for for someone like a Leafs home or someone who. <laughs> who was even if he says he didn't built a model to like make the Leafs look good uh, or waited. <laughs> the Leafs preview, ways. by the way, has not posted yet. So <laughs> of course you know what what they're going to be. Like. One of my favorite things was how he talked. He, he was talking about the Hurricanes and uh, that uh, he's he's like shifted the model to basically think Freddie Anderson is terrible now. Whereas when he was on the <laughs> Leafs, it used to be like in, in so many words. He's like the only thing I, the model cares about with goalies is you know how well you played recently. Mm. Uh, where it used to be not like that well oh because you know peter morazic and his little stint last year was really good and freddie anderson wasn't i guess is mm. you're thinking there which is good but um yeah i think i think that the whole thing is is just it's ex- i could have if if you had asked me if you said for you know right light for lighthouse hockey right like a a parody of mm. th- this article like write it exactly how you think dom would i think i would get 98 percent of that <laughs> because it, it is exactly what you'd expect he's uh he's you know not i, I just guess he's not all that witty i, I don't know mm. clever maybe is the right word um and it just it always shines through in his uh uh writing i guess 
there's always like a layer of flop sweat whenever anybody else writes about the Islanders, but particularly at the athletic and particularly coming from Toronto. Cause they're sort of like, <laughs> isn't it, isn't it funny how, <laughs> how the Islanders are, are pretty good and nobody thought they were going to be like, dude, we've heard the joke before we've got just, just shut yeah. up and tell us about our team, please. Like that's all we've ever wanted. And some people in the comments were like, this is all we've ever wanted. Just, just a bit of respect. Like, yeah, this is a good team. And they're built good and they got a good coach and they kind of know what they're doing. You and know, like that's all anybody wants. One other point I, I want to make too is that we, that there is definitely a, uh, uh, a clear, like polarizing division in fandom, not just here, but other sports too, like between the quote unquote, like old hockey man and these like new <laughs> age fanalists. Mm. Um, and I think they like, it's funny that a lot of these people who kind of veer towards that for the former, the, kind of old school eye testy fans um, saw what the Islanders were doing and were right about them much earlier than people who were waiting for, for the numbers to finally tell them that they were good. Like sometimes you just got to be like, yeah, like yeah, just a team's winning more often than it's losing. That might mean something. Right. Uh, and just like put it away and, and you don't take it so seriously. And I, I like that. Uh, I like that the, nobody ever says that either. Like, well, maybe <laughs> these people who said that, and also in, in the article, he's, and in a couple, he's talked about how like chemistry and physicality and grit and all this stuff mm. does matter. Whereas three years ago, if you said, oh, you know, I like Matt Martin because he's a gritty player, you would be laughed at. You, know, <laughs> you used the G word. I'm, good one. I mean, they and and by extension, us just spent all summer laughing at the Rangers because they picked up, you know, Ryan Reeves and Sammy Blaze and these other gritty guys, you know, for that exact reason. So it's very um, true. Yeah. <laughs> that's very true. but it's, it's just it's just funny that that stuff is uh yeah it's 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 when it's when it's uh convenient for right for the narrative it's it, it matters and when it's not we can all you know point and laugh at jim matheson for being like chris russell is just the best <laughs> right yeah um yeah no that that's the thing i mean there's a sort of subtle or maybe not so subtle like hypocrisy about it and, the, and like their answer is always like well it's the model it's just a. Uh, it's just a percentage. Like just because I gave the Islanders a twenty five percent chance of beating the Bruins uh, in the playoffs doesn't mean that you know it was me. That was the model going by the numbers, and it's like, yeah, but that that's your model. You're the guy who made it, and like you were wrong. Like it's, it's you know, I mean, so this was the one time that you know, like you said, there's a twenty five percent chance. Okay, so the the Bruins would win four out of you know, five matchups here. Like this was the one time and this is like <laughs> Avengers end game. Like this is the one time that we have to, to, you know, get through. Wow. Lucky us. Right. I mean, if we're living in an alternate timeline, that wouldn't have happened. The four, four of the timelines would have the Bruins winning that series. So like, and then, you know, you get these defenders like, why don't people understand? Like, it's just a percentage. It's just, you know, uh, it, it's, it's an outcome. You know, it's not, a, it's not a prediction. It's, you know, just a, a probability. And it's like, yeah, but you're putting your name on it. And mm-hmm. so you're putting on your, your name on something that says the Islanders are going to lose and then they win. Like, yeah, what do you writing, want them to writing do? writing a thousand words. It's not like right. you just post the, the chart and gets out of there too. It's yeah. We dunk on people that do hot takes and it's like this, I mean, it's not a hot take cause you're using numbers basically, but like at the same time, like you, you said this was going to happen and it didn't happen. And now people are calling you out on it. Like that's just how it's going to work. It's and, just, you know. and I like how it's like a, a big deal. Like, Oh, right. like I think the, like man, there's like 
fifty percent of people who are doing this are predicting the Islanders to, to do well. It's not, <laughs> right. it's or to win the cup. It's not just to do well. Everyone thinks they're going to do well. A lot of people think they're going to win the cup. Right. It's not. This isn't you like stepping out on a limb and and saying something. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. uh yeah. I think it's it's uh, it's arrogant. It was a little yeah. arrogant too. He's like, this is what Islander fans have been waiting for. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll uh we'll shelve our discussion of uh the pressures of having a. Uh, a good team <laughs> for next week uh, yeah. when we, uh, we talked before the, the start of the season. Cause I do think that is worth exploring because there are people that are like, Oh great. Now this is the kiss of death. Dump this mm-hmm. good. So, you know, it's funny, but at the same time, I, I kind of get that too, because there's a lot of pressure there that the Islanders haven't seen in quite some time. But again, that'll be a discussion for another time. Speaking of uh, other episodes. So uh, we are going to have uh, an episode on Sunday. We'll, we'll record it uh, in the afternoon. I'll put it up that night um we just kind of want to get uh out some uh thoughts about the rest of the league uh we're gonna you know obviously we'll talk about the metro division but we won't focus on the islanders we're gonna kind of bounce around the league and and talk about other teams that we probably don't know anything about or just straight up don't like uh so that'll come your way sunday it'll be a lot of fun uh we'll have i'm sure a few thoughts about the arizona coyotes and uh andrew ladd (laughs) and uh, and the seattle kraken and and all those uh you know Colorado and Chicago and all those other teams. So should be a lot of fun. Um, one of those teams obviously is the Leafs. Uh, you watched the Amazon prime show, uh, all or nothing. I did not, I, based on what you told me, I think I probably made the right choice. Uh, but I'm glad you saw it. Cause I want to hear what you thought, uh, of this. Well, it's, it's, it's five parts or six parts. Five. Right. Part. Thank it's you. Five part series that follows the Leafs in their all or nothing championship uh, potential season and they end up with nothing. Uh, so yeah. So what do you think? Yeah, it, didn't, it wasn't very good. Uh, <laughs> it, it, like, and, and I think if this was any team, I would say the same thing. If it followed this, the same structure, uh, you know, this isn't like I, I, I'll hold, I'll hold my hand up. I hate hate the Leafs more than basically <laughs> most organizations on the planet. So uh, there's there's definitely part of that is you can take with a grain of salt. But I also watch and and take in a lot of hockey content and. First of all, the way it was talked about by Jeff Jeff Eric and Elliot Friedman, I was like, oh wow, maybe this is pretty good. Hmm. You know, they they are talking about some kind of in the weeds stuff, and um, it was my thinking was I wanted to watch the whole thing. I didn't want to just skip to the end to watch the great part, but because <laughs> um, I wanted I wanted one of my favorite things is when they do like uh, thirty for thirties or whatever about big comebacks is seeing looks on fans and players and coaches' faces of teams that do collapse before. So like they think they're, you know, when the Leafs were up 3-1 or whatever, um, you just see like, oh, they're living right now thinking they're going to cruise into the second round. And then and then because it makes the the painful shots much, much more uh, sweeter. And uh, they, the first of all, the the way that it was structured. So Will Arnett is the uh, narrator. Hmm. He's, he's not really funny in it at all. Yeah, like <laughs> it's wow. just like very... Uh, I don't know. Like the, the jokes are just don't. There weren't <laughs> jokes even. Like you would just say like something that make a like if you made a you know fifth grader who's who a teacher who whose math teacher hates him because he's just like kind of like that kind of that that sense of humor. That's kind of the the jokes in it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's the structure was terrible because it's uh, basically they they would I would say go like chunk of each uh, chunk by chunk in the season probably like week or two. Uh, so they like, you know, first 14 days of the season, Lisa are off to a fast start, blah, 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 blah. But then, you know, Jimmy VZ, who, by the way, should, if William Nylander's camp was upset about the way he was portrayed, which I didn't think was anything wrong. Um, 
Jimmy Vesey should be suing everybody because they, they showed like a, we we joked about the, the Chris Johnston tweet all the time where mm. they, he shows uh, Jimmy Vesey talking to Manny Malhotra after a practice and he's like this is his third conversation with a coach in ten days and like just peak peak Leafs Twitter kind of tweet and um, they showed a conversation with him and Sheldon Keefe where he's like you know I don't really Sheldon Keefe was like you're a vanilla player like you're not really doing much or something and um, mm. then he was waived and. Uh, but they never really explored anything. So like they didn't explore, like what's it like for Jimmy VC the night before waivers? What's, what's, uh, you know, what's it like for the, the management team? Are they, how are they planning life with or without him? Stuff like that. Or, um, when, uh, the senators, remember the senators came back from that five, one deficit. Like they, they show that game a little bit, uh, some, some behind the scenes stuff, which was great to watch because it was fun class. But like after that, they don't really, they just move on. That's basically mm. what the whole documentary was. It was like, they just mentioned something and then they would just show like a 30 second clip and move on. There was in 24 mm. seven, you, you like they, they would spend like time with, with the right. players and like talk about, Oh, Brent Johnston, Johnson's a backup goalie. Like what, what's that life? Like what's that kind of life like and stuff like that. And, yeah, I was going to say, this doesn't sound like the 24 seven thing that we're kind of no. used to, you know, that on HBO, that's, was, un, that's unfortunate. Yeah. It feels like very, uh, um, they just kind of did the least amount of work and still got by. And also the, the collapse, like I was really excited because I thought like this, the last episode would just be all about these failures and whatever. And I'm watching the last episode and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for anyone, but um, the Leafs lose the series. (laughs) uh, uh, I'm watching the last episode and I'm like, this episode's like 45 minutes. We're not even close to game seven yet. Mm. Like, this is, and I like look at the time left and be like, what, they're going to sum up this entire collapse in like three minutes. And that's mm. basically what they did. They were just like, oh, the least, they, they, it was like they edited the show before the collapse happened because they, they, the, the whole tone of the show is this team's on the run. Like they're going to make mm. it. They might win the Stanley Cup for the first time since 1967. They might win a playoff series for the first time since 2004. And then around the midway point of the last episode, um, if they just kind of start showing highlights of them losing to the Canadians and then being like, and they lost and you know, that's, a, that's about it. And they just move on. They didn't spend any time talking to like the players or anything. Mm. It was like, really? three, honestly, Wait, like, they did th- all that and then didn't interview any of the players afterwards. Like, barely. Like uh, maybe, <sighs> maybe one or two. I don't know. Wow. Like Kyle, maybe Kyle, they, they close it with like Kyle Dubas erasing 2021 on a whiteboard and then writing like 2021, 22 and oh, then putting a couple on. players like cards on the, on a whiteboard where he puts the lines and like the cap um, Dubas, by the way, may, it, the one thing I will say that was redeeming about this. Um, and mm. it's almost worth watching just for this reason is our um, hatred of Kyle Dubas is, is warranted. <laughs> like it just, <laughs> the guy is like such a ham. He knows exactly what he's doing. Like he, the, the, they showed him, you know, the running down the stairs, like, uh, when Tavares got hurt, which yeah, like right thing to do, but like he talked, like the whole the whole scene was not about really Tavares. It was about like what a Kyle look look at Kyle Dubas running down the stairs and mm-hmm. going at going like to check on his his uh, his player as if like nobody else would even think to do it. <laughs> like like he's got <laughs> he's a one he's a unicorn. He cares about his players, um, but he he really hams it up, and it's it's really a show. I would say he's probably the one who spends the most time talking to the camera, and they they spend the most time with him. Uh, and then, I mean, it doesn't really tell you anything we don't already know about Tavares. He's, 
uh, complete, you know, robot or whatever. It's, <laughs> it, there's some like real cringy stuff with him and his uncle in like his backyard. I was gonna say, what was that scene like with him and the uncle? Because it sounded staged. Oh, you could, you could, you yeah, you can, you could. Right now, you could do it. Probably, I, I'd have to. I, you could probably play both parts of it right now, and I would be like, "Yeah, you, probably, you got eighty percent of that right." Um, it's exactly what you think about. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it was really underwhelming, and it's unfortunate because we just talked about how seeing. Uh, you know, Jacob Chitrin in a, in a, in a wacky outfit won't grow the game, but this was something that, you know, maybe could have, uh, because mm. it's on Amazon prime. And I think it was a, uh, a kind of a miss on all parts and something that, uh, I think the NHL probably thought was really cutting edge. Uh, mm. but at the same time was, isn't like, it's cool, but it's not it's like something that hasn't been done before. And, uh, it, it felt like, uh, just them thinking like, Oh, just giving these, fans like a look behind the camera is enough like no we, mm. we can see that because these players all have instagram and stuff at this point like <laughs> i want to know what the you know i want you to go deeper than than just saying like oh how did jack campbell get his name his nickname mm. oh what did you know it's the name of a very famous soup company every been, athlete yeah. named campbell is nicknamed soup brian campbell yeah. was soup too like that's it <laughs> it's i will say campbell campbell was the only player that did come across. I'm like, yeah, he, he's interesting at least, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. The rest of it. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's worth watching just if, if you want like a little catharsis, uh, you know, you can just skip to the end and hmm. watch them collapse. But otherwise, like if don't, don't expect to watch it and come out being like, that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's really disappointing. Yeah. I think, yeah. Like the, the 24 seven show, of course, narrated by Liev Schreiber, you know, is kind of the gold standard for that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, was it perfect? No. But, I mean, it did show the players' sort of personalities. You kind of get, you know, kind of just the random interactions off the ice that you and I have that they have to. That was where we got the classic, you know, Randy Carlisle versus the Hotel Toaster <laughs> incident, you know. is like <laughs> He's making a good one, Randy. Like, you know. Do I want to watch Randy Carlyle put toast in a toast on trying to figure out how to use a toaster at a hotel? Not really, but it is kind of funny that this guy who was the coach of the Leafs at the time, and it's like, yeah, he doesn't understand how to use that thing either. Or like the um, you know, the the there was a one of the Penguins ones, they showed this whole elaborate prank that I think Marc Andre Fleury played on on Crosby, where they like moved all the stuff out of his room or something like that. So like that kind of stuff, it, it can be interesting and I'm going to give the Leafs at least a, a modicum of credit. Like I was kind of assuming that they went into this with the idea that they would show a lot of that sort of behind the scenes stuff. But from what you've said and what everything else I've read, they they did not like, it's the most valuable franchise in the league, right? Right. I think by Forbes. So like show us some, like we don't, I don't, you go beyond Kyle Dubas, like go, go hmm. show us like what they're, what goes into running. Like, and I, and I, and I will, you know, you can excuse them because it was during the bubble season right. or the pandemic season in Canada had pretty strict res- restrictions, but um, you know, they just, they could have done so much more yeah. uh, with the, the organization, like giving us like a look at, Hey, what's it like, you know, working in the backroom staff for this team or, right. you know uh, it's like, it was uh, yeah, it was frustrating because yeah. there would be times where you'd be like, Oh, this is getting pretty interesting. And then next thing you know, like, oh, look at Joe <laughs> Thornton. He's saying something funny again. Like, all right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's, 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 it's a little uh, frustrating that like, like uh, I was telling you, like 
the Freddie Anderson injury thing was very like just mm. they 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 like kind of just kept mentioning passing that he wasn't playing and then mm. be like uh you know his his situation he he also like I think has like a bone to pick too because mm. uh, people forget like he was really good for them up until the bubble playoffs and then last year it was obviously hurt um and kind of just discarded uh <laughs> for, for Jack Campbell but um yeah it's like they didn't really get into it with him or mm. anything so yeah it was like I don't know, C minus. Yeah. And and the whole thing about that absence was it was never really fully explained. Right. Like he just well, Freddie Anderson's not back yet, so Jack Campbell gets to start. Right. Okay. Like, <laughs> what's going on? You know. But because there's this sort of like I guess gentleman's agreement that he just didn't decide not to tell us. You know. But uh, yeah, that's the same. But you know, and and I I get what you're saying. Like you know, maybe they picked a tough year to do it because of the COVID restrictions and everything. And I mean, you could only have so many people at the games in the first place. So like, you know, you're going to add a camera crew to that too. Even a small one is, you know, probably three, four, five people. Um, but at the same time, I mean, that was a year where the Leafs never actually left Canada. So right. you'd think that you'd have more time to show that kind of stuff. Cause I mean, you're only playing the same six teams over and over again. Like, how, and I don't know. think they talked to any fans either. Like even, even yeah, just that, like the fans going to the, the last game when they could have like 500 frontline workers, like, yeah. Hey, why aren't, you know, what's it like right. to root for this team that, just had yeah. they because we forget this was also not mentioned like the north division was so such a cakewalk that right. it was like it was so set up for this team to it was basically yeah. <laughs> on a silver platter for them to to do this up until game five of uh against the canadians and uh of course it it, it doesn't go and like there was no hey like let's talk to a few fans like mm. even that shot might even be cliche at this point of you know a few fans talking about how how sad they are at the end of a season like that ends like this but mm. it was much better than what it would have been much better than what they actually showed which was you know basically nothing <laughs> yeah uh, so uh, and it's funny because i i don't know if i mentioned last week but i watched that once upon a time in queens the four-part mets uh documentary on the 86 mets and it's fantastic it's 30 for 30 uh if you have an espn plus subscription you could watch it i think it'll be probably played over and over again on espn it's awesome whether you grew up in the you know 80s new york in 86 or not it was great. And like, not only did they talk to most of the actual Mets. And so you get people like Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry talking about how much cocaine they did at studio 54 in that, in that, that era. And they talk a lot about Keith Hernandez. He's like kind of one of the stars of the show, but I mean, they talked to people like Oliver Stone who made wall street because it was such a, you know, a seminal movie for New York at that time. Like New York was packed to the gills with guys pretending to be Michael Douglas as Gordon Gecko. They talked to uh, a bunch of writers, a bunch of uh, Cindy Lauper is on it. I mean, I love Cindy Lauper. That's great. She was, and it says like singer from Queens. It's like, yeah, I guess that's one way to describe Cindy Lauper. She's <laughs> Cindy fucking Lauper. Like it's kind of a big, she's kind of a big deal. Is she even a Mets fan? I don't know. She's a lady from Queens who was there in New York at the time and was kind of a big deal. So like, you know, they, they reached, Every single person they could possibly find uh, to to talk with them, plus like archival footage and stuff. I mean, and they got into guys that we forgot about, you know. And so I guess there's there's a couple of different ways to do it, and yeah, that, that was the, one way, and <laughs> the Leafs way was another way. Yeah, this is the that's the kind of give it everything you got, and this was the bare bones. So yeah, if if, if if it was like a press release, and I think that's a big problem with the sport in general is a lot of the content they produce gets so watered down that it just basically turns yeah. into a press release and. Um, that was basically if if the Leafs got to uh, if after the fact the Leafs said hey like 
we need to release a, a, a documentary about that season that just happened. Mm. That was, that would be the, the least way that they wanted to do it because it just yeah. didn't, like I said, it just didn't really get into the uh, collapse and the depressing mm. part of the season two not meeting expectations. So uh, yeah, it's just a, a missed opportunity. And, and, yeah. and but eh, that's, that's the, the nature of this sport yeah. and league. Not talking to the fans is really, that's really, because you've got, literally thousands of people all trying to be Steve Dangle. You've got the Steve Dangle here, and then you've got all these other people below <laughs> him trying to be desperately to be him and to, you know, uh, achieve his success. I'm sure any one of them would have happily gotten on a zoom call and you could have recorded them and asked them what they felt at various points in the season. But what are you going to do? All I know is, uh, I'm not a filmmaker. I wish I was, but there you <laughs> go. <laughs> uh, Okay, well, so uh, the season hasn't even started yet, and we've already got your in-depth reviews about an off-Broadway play and now an Amazon <laughs> TV show. So I'm looking forward to what's yeah, coming what's, up next. Yeah, I can't wait Jesus to hear. Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it should be great. Both of them, high, uh, great. I, I love them. Very, very in-depth. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to more. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes uh, but, once yeah, the it, season it, actually starts. It's, just, it's funny because like, you don't – we don't have people in our lives who would, who would understand right, just yeah. how frustrating it was yeah. to, as an experience to watch that, except for the, you know, you, me, the people listening to the show, people who talk on Twitter. So yeah, it's like, it's a conversation that I, I yeah. wanted to have with somebody. Um, and it's, uh, it's yeah. cause it's, it, God, I, I mean, imagine talking to, uh, you know, people who don't really hate the least with <laughs> the, the passion that we have that trying to explain to them this documentary that be bored within, 30 seconds to be like, can you, can you just <laughs> shut the fuck up, please? About just tell me if it, I should watch it or not. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if I, yeah, don't, don't watch it. Sorry. If, if my wife came home and found me, she'd be like, what are you watching? I'd be like, oh, it's this Amazon Prime show about the Maple Leafs. I thought you hate the Maple Leafs. I do. <laughs> yeah. So why the hell are you watching yeah. it? Like, that's that's the exact conversation. I'd be like, yeah, you know what? You're right. And I probably yeah. just turned off. But <laughs> So, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Same, same with the play, too. So, yeah. uh, so it's good. Good. So, uh, you know, there you go. Yeah, you definitely got the right audience because I think I think people are out there. I'm, I don't know how many how many folks who listen to this have watched it. Again, for me personally, I'm not interested in it, especially le- least of all now. I wasn't before, but I'm definitely not now. And uh, you know, I know how it went, and, and I'm not in the mood to. I mean, it's bad enough. I, I can't escape the the sort of leaf uh, laurels uh, every single day just by accident, just by being a sub- subscriber to the athletic and you gotta that kind <laughs> of stuff. But uh, you know, I, I'm not going to willingly go into a TV show to, to watch them too. So, uh, but yeah, so if you, if you watched it and you saw it and you have some thoughts, let us know. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe you guys liked it. Maybe there's, you know, some aspect of it that, uh, that we didn't see. So there you go. Uh, okay. Uh, boy, this was a long one. Uh, we've got a lot going on for for t- just uh, having covered two preseason games. We've, we've yeah. talked about a lot of different stuff. Um, so we're going to be back on Sunday, and we're going to talk uh, about the rest of the league. Uh, we're going to do absolutely no research. Oh, you 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 do research. I mean, you you do research for work, so you'll you'll know more about this than I will. So I'll just kind of probably probably just direct you to tell me about what's going on with all these different teams. Um, but uh, we'll do that, and then we'll come back on Wednesday for. I guess what will essentially be kind of a season, you know, kickoff preview episode or whatever. And uh, we'll talk all about what it's like to root for a team that uh, has Stanley Cup aspirations. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. Take a while to get my head around that. Yeah. Not just uh, like it's not not only aspirations, but expectations. Right. Oof. Oof. 
<laughs> my stomach is so yeah, good. <laughs> Let's stop right there. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? And the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski. Read his work at the Action Network. Listen to him on the Action Network podcast. And then the NHL Fantasy Podcast. Is that the new one too? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, they have me on b- before the season uh, to talk. Um, just some future bets. I like Dave. I like Dave Hack still to, to win coach of the year yeah. uh, a Definitely. lot because uh, the Kraken have a pretty good chance of making the playoffs. And if they do, every beat writer will, re- will vote for him. So, Oh yeah. Oh there yeah. One hundred percent. Even if they come anywhere near the playoffs, he'll, he'll get right. votes. <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah. So, so check that out too uh, over at NHL.com. Uh, please read lighthouse hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, we are going to be without, uh, Joe Bono this year. Uh, he's gone on to do some, uh, other projects this season. Trust me when I tell you, you're going to want to keep an eye on these projects. Islanders fans are going to love them. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to talk more to Joe going on uh, this year. Uh, Noel will be back. Uh, he's still figuring out, uh, what he wants to do with the podcast this year, trying to steer him towards the interview, uh, podcast because he's great at them and, that's not what we do. <laughs> so I uh, hope hopefully he'll, he'll come back soon and uh, we'll have some cool stuff for us too. Uh, but uh, good luck, Joe. And again, we'll, we'll talk to you again very soon. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we will talk to you all again very, very shortly. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.